Don't go down a negative spiral. And if you are down a negative spiral, that's okay, but catch yourself. This is another one I'm not good at. I'm often well down that negative spiral before I catch myself. Um, I'm just going to use the example of remembering your past achievements. Be like, okay, you got to pick yourself up. You're listening to the Small Business Talk podcast with Kathy Smith. Small Business Talk is a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Kathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years and helped hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals. Welcome to Small Business Talk. Today, my special guest is Sheila Buswell. And our topic is how to overcome imposter syndrome in your everyday life and business. Welcome, Sheila. Thank you, Kathy. Sheila, can you tell us the two-minute story about who you are and why you're here? Definitely. I um, got a scholarship out of high school, which I then lost in 1997. I lost it and I joined the military, U.S. Army. Um, I was stationed in Bosnia and injured my foot. I got a medical discharge in 2001. I got a mechanical engineering degree in 2005 and a master's in engineering in 2015. I have a lot of worked for a lot of great companies. In 2018, my mom fell and broke her hip. And I saw a lot of the issues my mom faced were similar to what I had when I hurt my foot in Bosnia. And to solve those solutions, I invented a product and built a small business around it. Well, it's a small business now, but it's a technology startup built on around artificial intelligence, machine learning, and sensors to control a device. I'm hoping it will be a solution to a problem, a business that everybody uses, a solution that everybody has. And along the way, I discovered that the fact I didn't look like what people expected somebody to have those problems, experience of those things, and a veteran, a expert, an engineer, an inventor caused people to ask if I had imposter syndrome. And I didn't know what that was. And I became learned in imposter syndrome because that's what I am. And I wrote a book about my experience and others contributed their stories to that as well and so, that's it so you're obviously well versed in imposter syndrome so for people that don't know what imposter syndrome is can you give us what your definition is my definition is simply this that you, the feeling that you're just not enough so it's self-doubt but in certain roles that self-doubt can hinder your professional growth and experience you feel like you don't belong where you are and it affects people in a myriad of different ways. It can last an instant or it can last a breath of years. And most people experience this over their careers. So it's it, something that I, it affects people differently. So there's not a one way to explain it, but that's generally what it is. Fantastic. So do you think it, it influences people in more areas other than other areas? Absolutely. For myself, definitely has. I personally have worked in careers where 
I was told I was too feminine. Well, after many years, I am not very feminine generally, but when I'm around other women, I don't feel feminine enough now. I don't know that I ever have felt feminine enough, but I'm more aware of it now. So I think there's a lot of ways it can affect people. That feeling of not being enough, I think it it affects everybody in a myriad of ways. And it's professionally more measurable. But there's people like people feel it in sports. People feel it in, you know, different ways. Absolutely. And I think sometimes people feel it if they don't have that specific piece of paper. So for my journey, I started graphic design before it was a degree. So I did a four-year apprenticeship and trade experience. But people have said to me over the years, but you don't have a degree. Do you want to go back and get a degree? No, I don't. And I'm really glad that I started being trade-based because I got that hands-on experience and I knew why things were happening certain ways and I knew things that wouldn't work. So for me, being that little bit older, 35 again, with a few years' experience, haha, that it it was a great opportunity for me to do it before the rules changed. But quite often I noticed that in my experience and working with lots of different business people, that they can find it difficult if they don't have that inverted commas piece of paper. Well, the little voice in our head, sometimes it's a screaming voice in our head, will always tell you you're not enough. And it could be a piece of paper. Or if you have a piece of paper, maybe it's saying you don't have the hands-on experience. Like there's always something that if you don't feel comfortable, it can make you believe you don't belong there. Absolutely. And I think sometimes it can be our reaction to how other people react as well. So people say, you don't have that piece of paper or you don't have that trade experience, then you're not enough. And then you start going, oh, well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I haven't. What if? And all that little hamster yap, yap, yap that goes on in the back of her head. Yes, absolutely. So for business people in particular, How do you think they can overcome imposter syndrome? Do you have a few tips? Specifically, five tips that I use as personal solutions. And then I think there's two cultural solutions that I think are very important. The five personal solutions I think that people can employ day to day. And one, the first one I'm going to talk about is my favorite that I've employed quite a bit is remembering your past achievements, whether it's For me, it was always running historically, remembering before I did a 10K that I had done a 5K or that when I did a 5K, I did this and I won it or I did something and I, you know, I can add on to those and until a full marathon and after I did, you know, triathlons, the distance, you add events and you add distance and then all of a sudden you, you've done all the things and you know, you belong there. I did that with engineering classes. I did that with engineering degrees. I did that with military training. I did it with a lot of things. And I think that is something that's easy to convince yourself in a more positive way. Instead of, I don't belong here because you say, no, I do belong here. I do have what it takes to be where I'm at. There's a reason I am where I am. The second thing out of five, two out of five is, I mean, now people is not to compare yourself with others. 20 years ago, I compared myself with other people as a way to motivate myself because I was carrying 
comparing my reality with their reality. Now you compare your reality with somebody's highlight reel on social media, and that's not fair. Mm-hmm. So I don't compare myself with other people's highlight reel. I think that's a great one because people see people a lot further along than them and they go, yeah. oh, but why can't I do that? Well, maybe because you've only just started and they've been doing it for 15 years. Maybe they got a leg up somewhere that you don't know about. Maybe they're not quite as confident on the inside as they are on the outside and they're just the, the hamster pedaling as hard as you are and you're not seeing what it takes to get there. So absolutely not comparing your chapter one to their chapter 20. In so many things, but yes. Number three, I find very challenging and I'm better at it sometimes than other times. I'm a work in progress. But number three out of five is I practiced, I attempt to practice self-grace. I am not saying, oh, accept subpar results. Or and say, okay, that's fine. But say, there's a reason why I'm here and not there and assess where that is and what what it would take to get, you know, there, whether I'm willing to do that. I don't play for the WNBA because I need to grow a foot and a half. Well, I'm 46. What's the likelihood I'm going to grow a foot and a half? Probably not. Um, Yeah. So I need to be, okay, I'm going to accept that. I think that people are hard on themselves and not beating themselves up for things they can't change. But not to be like, oh, stopping themselves without even trying. Um, I'm an engineer, but I got to be an engineer not because I was scared of math. I conquered math by um, working very hard to achieve math. Like there is a health center at math, like at the college I went to. And it wasn't like I was like, uh, good at math. I was like, well, I need math in my toolbox. So I didn't negatively self-talk about math because I didn't have the math scars people have. I just said, okay, I need this. I'm going to go get it. But there's people who negatively self-talk about, I can't do it. So they don't even try. And I think that's different. That's not practicing self-grace. That's just saying, I'm just not going to do it. It's okay. You know, that's different than saying, okay, I have a inability to do this because of this. I have a, you know, whatever. Fill in yes, and, and not accepting self-power, but then also not expecting perfection and not doing it because it can't be perfect. So sometimes 80% is better than not done at all. So done is better than perfect on a lot of occasions, unless, of course, you're a brain surgeon, then we do want perfection. But for the majority of us, that um, just getting out there and doing it, repeating it, getting that practice in, getting the help you need, if um, you're you're not good at, down here we say maths, um, you guys, of course, say math. Um, If you're not good at maths, then maybe you do need a tutor or bring somebody in. And definitely in business, that can be the case, is not trying to flog a dead horse and continue to do that thing that you're not good at, maybe it is time to delegate some of that. For clarity, I just want to say maths makes more sense because there's more than one number. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Fourth out of five is just be mindful of your thinking. To be like, are you flogging a dead horse? Don't go down a negative spiral. And if you are down a negative spiral, that's okay, but catch yourself. This is another one I'm not good at. I'm often well down that negative spiral before I catch myself. Like, I don't belong here. I 
you know, like think about it. And then um, I'm just going to use the example of remembering your past achievements. Be like, okay, you got to pick yourself up. But remembering to pick yourself up by remembering your past achievements, it'll take longer the longer you wait to be mindful of the fact that you're, you know, flogging a dead horse or whatever. And I think that's important to do. But again, not great at it. It's I'm a work in progress in that area as well. I think a lot of people are, and it does take practice. And sometimes it is easier to catch yourself when somebody else is saying, hey, no, you're brilliant at this. So take in all that praise. And one thing that I learned a long time ago is when somebody actually praises you, accept it. It's nothing worse when somebody's giving you a compliment and saying, hey, you're actually good at that. And you go, oh, no, actually, really, I'm not, because that praise will stop. So let it wash over you, accept it, and go, oh, okay, this is good. And yes, maybe tamper off the um, negative self-talk as well so that you don't um, hit quite so low in those spirals and you are able to catch yourself quicker to get out. Exactly. Yes, that is true. And just say thanks. You're, you know, you look nice today. Thank you. Or whatever the compliment said be. Even if it's not, it's to save it. Like I heard it once where you they say, keep your old love letters, get rid of old bank statements. And it's kind of the same thing. Remember that compliment regardless, because it's important to remember. This last one is one I heard from my grandma. She'd always put things in perspective by saying, ask yourself if this will matter in a year. And there's a lot of things I get mad about that don't matter in 10 minutes. They definitely won't matter in a year. But there's things, and I'm not, again, not great at always coming back smart. And I'm not good at answering this question accurately all the time. But it is important to ask, will this matter in a year? Sitting in the wrong meeting once, not going to matter. But seven years of sitting in the wrong meetings, choosing the wrong career might matter. And those are my five personal solutions. Remembering your past achievements, not comparing yourself to others, and practicing self-grace, being mindful of your thinking, and putting things in perspective. Will this matter in a year? Asking yourself that. Perfect. And I think the self-grace is a really good one too because we go through the day and we think, oh, it's been a really bad day. But then you think, well, actually, I had a nice breakfast. I went for a walk with my dog. It's winter, but the sun came out, even if it was a short time. And when you actually start to concentrate on those great things, that gratitude, you can actually have self-grace and go, well, it wasn't that bad a day. There was just that one thing that I got in the negative spiral about, a few things compounded. But if you stop and think about all the good things that we have in life, it can make life so much easier. That is true. And I I do think this business is a small business focus. And I think most of the customers or most of the people who listen to this podcast are small business focused. And I think cultural solutions matter more. And I want to focus on that. I think it's important to define the culture first. So I often talk about this to people um, around me is like, if you, for most businesses, having porn on your computer is a deal breaker. Like you will lose your job if you have porn on your computer, unless of course you work in the porn industry. My first job out of school was at a beer company. So it was expected that you would be drinking beer at work. Like, but if you work at a bank or 
I'm trying to think of a Edward Jones or a, like Mark, like investment company and you drank beer, you would lose your job. But if you worked at a brewery and you got a DUI, that was non-negotiable. You would lose your job. And it was explained to you the first day. Defining the non-negotiables and, it, you know, that understanding the culture was very important and I think is very important. The cultural solutions, I think, is team success. Understanding that there's a team and you need to appreciate that the team's success is important and good outcomes need to be defined as team outcomes. If there's one guy that has astronomical success, but he steps on the toes or the throats of everybody else on his team, the team needs to be rewarded for team goals. And that guy needs to be admonished or I don't know what the opposite of reward is, but I think it's demotivating if that guy is rewarded for stepping on toes or throats and it creates a toxic work environment. Yes, and I think absolutely. And quite often it's the team that creates the results, but it's one person that is getting that result. Years ago, I worked for a company and they had sales reps, with, which most companies do, but the sales reps always got the reward. They got the external reward from the customers. They got the reward from head office and they got the monetary rewards. But it was the team that created those rewards. And there was one instance where this lady, she didn't eat meat. She was a vegetarian. She'd been given this fantastic cut of meat from a client as a um, a reward for a job well done. Did she share it with the team and have a barbecue? No, she fed it to her cat. Do you think the next time that person was looking for a, an extra help on a Friday afternoon, a job needed to go out or anything like that, the team wanted to help her? Probably not. So you've got to really think about how you are giving those rewards and making sure that everybody that's in that process is rewarded, not just the person at the top. And I think, yes, that's, un I think, well, not just the person at the top being rewarded, but it's also, it's horrible when people are not punished or not, I don't, I don't like the word punished, but whatever the word is, it's demotivating when they don't act appropriately. And there's no acknowledgement of that for everybody else on that team. And that's part of leadership. It's, it, I think that's a Simon Sinek thing where he says, leadership is absolutely about action, but it's also about inaction is, or creating that environment. Everybody on the team probably knows who the asshole is. You know, the, the managers might not know, but I guarantee the person working with them, you know, everyone's going to be like him or her or whatever, whoever that might be. Absolutely. And they all know that effect. And then people that you're quite happy to go the extra mile for and others that you're just going to draw the line and go, no, it's Friday afternoon. I'm not staying back. I'm not doing this extra thing because yep. you wouldn't for me. You wouldn't for the rest of the team. I've seen you stand on people before. In the companies I have worked for, in the businesses, small businesses especially, they need effective employees. Imposter syndrome or self-doubt can make people not work effectively. There are ways that culture and these solutions can overcome these 
that feeling of not being enough. You're not getting effective employees if they feel that way. And if you invite a culture where these people are put in a position where they're getting stepped on repeatedly or they're not being valued, it just creates an environment where it's run rampant with self-doubt and imposter syndrome, I think. It would just be a hard way. And you need, especially small businesses, and this is small business talk, you need effective employees. You need them to work at their capacity. And if they don't feel like they're valued or they can be their authentic selves, they're not going to work to capacity. And that can include yourself as a business owner. If you're having the self-doubt and the imposter syndrome, then you're not going to be effective. And if you do have employees and team, then quite often that will flow down to them as well. So you need to be thinking about those kinds of things. And what support can you get? Do you need a tribe around you that can help to look after you and give you those compliments and say, hey, you've been doing this for so long. You're actually really good at it, even if you don't see it, because quite often we are our own harshest critics. Yes, that's true. I think especially since small business owners also set the culture and they set the rules and they set the tone, they can enforce or reinforce a lot of the professional environment around them. And that can create a lot of the ideas and the historic ways people have created this idea of not being enough. And whether it's reflected in the way you act, you, you demand from yourself. If you think you're superwoman, you're, you might demand it from the people who work under you. And they might think if, you know, if she can do it, I can do it. And that self-grace, if you don't allow it for yourself, are you, are you allowing the people, the guy under you to allow himself to take maternity leave or not maternity leave, but paternity leave. Paternity leave. Yeah. yeah. It becomes very reflective. Yeah. Absolutely. So we've got those five tips about looking after ourselves and doing self-grace and culture and all that sort of thing. Is there anything else as small business owners you think is a, a deal breaker that they should be putting in to make sure that one, they're helping to stop themselves have imposter syndrome or their team? I do think the cultural solutions are important. Like making a culture that allows people to bring their authentic selves to work and to make sure that they know what the deal breakers are and that a team is required to achieve the goals, regardless of what your small business is or what your business is, period. That achieving graphic design or engineering is a team effort and we all are important. I think that's a, a really good way to end this part of the podcast. And remember that if you are struggling with anything, there are lots of um, services that you can reach out to. So please do. Don't suffer alone because you definitely don't have to. And these days we can all bring our one self to work. We don't have to separate our business from our, our personal, from our home life self. So make sure that you are um, turning up authentically and allowing your people to turn up authentically. But if you are struggling, please do reach out um, to any of the services that provide that. So Sheila, if people would like to get a copy of your book or learn more about you, where do they go? The, cop the book is called Is the Seat for Me? And it's Overcoming Imposter Syndrome in Everyday Life and Business. 
I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook, and you can find me or email me at sheila.buswellbiomedical.com. Fantastic. And we will put all of those links in the show notes. Now, it's my turn to ask you five questions. Are you game? Yes, absolutely. What is the best advice given to you by a mentor? Not to give up. Jackie Hoyt, I think, was one who said there are days and there are times within a day you're going to want to give up. Just don't. And that was a really good advice. Fantastic. What is the biggest help you've received since starting your business? Okay, so my business is very much computer engineering. My undergraduate's mechanical engineering and my master's is biomedical engineering. The greatest help was knowing Don O'Brien, knowing what books to read to educate myself on what was important and what how what was important to know in, in computer engineering. Fantastic. What is the one thing you have to do every day, your non-negotiable? Coffee. I need coffee in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite business book and why? I like Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I know I think it's Jemima said that. Um she did, also. indeed. <laughs> You've done your homework. Yeah. I like that book because it just simply talks about how small things add up to big things. And I like that idea. So that's my, I like that book. Fantastic. So that was Jemima Ashley in episode 199. She did reference the Atomic Habits as well. So guys, if you haven't listened to 199, that might be a good one for you to listen to as well. And our final question is, what do you wish you had known when you started out? When I started out, I was falsely under the impression that engineering was the most important. If you develop the product, that's the most important. I was an engineer and I have been. I had worked for a lot of great companies. I had a great career as an engineer. Still at heart, my brain works like an engineer. But business processes and foundations are much more important. And I didn't know that at the time. I wish I had known. I wish I had a greater appreciation for that starting out. Fantastic. And we had David Jennings from Systemology um, on on one of our early ones. Um, I think it was in the the 50s. Um, I will get the exact one and put in the show notes, but he's about to come on as well. So if you haven't um, checked out um, Systemology, that's a great place to go for systems. And I think a lot of small business people, that's something they think is an afterthought. But if they thought of it earlier, that could also help them with their imposter syndrome as well. So thank you, Sheila. I appreciate you being a guest today. And is there anything that we haven't told the SBT community that we should have? I think we covered it. Thanks. So SBT community, remember, enjoy your journey. Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode, take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action and SBT community, enjoy your journey.